0: Well, amen. It's good to be back tonight. Thank you for being faithful and coming back for the evening service. I'm glad you're here. Enjoyed the good song service and uh, enjoy the good music. And, and uh, but the Herald Miss Pigeon invited me to come over and spend the afternoon at their house. So, uh, man, I I started just going to Branson while I was so close. I told them, man, I I. They live so far out in the country, they're almost back in town, and uh, had, it, had it been nighttime, I'm pretty sure I'd have saw my own taillights somewhere along the line there, but uh, I got to go and rest a little bit, and so, man, I I, I feel like two hours preaching tonight, so uh, I'm not, I feel like it, I'm not going to do it, but I feel like it, but uh, we're not going to give you two hours tonight, but uh, no, I, I, yes, you didn't have the fire going this time, so it was just about right. And, uh, man, I, I laid back there in that recliner and and uh, hadn't been for Pigeon sawing logs so loud. I'd, I'd have got a better nap probably, but No, no. <laughs> no she probably listened to me sawing logs, I imagine. But uh, anyhow, I appreciate the good lunch today. We got to visit Brother Dave a little bit and just uh, had a good day in the Lord. Just enjoyed it and thankful the Lord uh, allowed us to be here today. And uh, I'll try not to keep you too long t- uh, tonight. I uh, still got some voice left, but... Uh, I'm not I'm not used to doing what Rob does. Rob, Rob can do this m- multiple times a day and still have some voice left. But, uh, man, I, if I holler too much, my voice is probably going to be gone. So um, I need to have a little bit of voice left when I get home in case I need to holler at my wife or anything. But uh, when I get home. But I do have a praise tonight. And uh, most of you know my, my wife don't get to come with me to to um, my church very often because I, I have to drive so far. I drive an hour and a half, you know, so I have to leave. I leave home at 6 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and so uh, she don't want, for some reason, she don't want to get up at 4.30 and get her makeup on, and get ready uh, to leave at 6 o'clock, so she, she goes to the church we used to go to there at Stidham, and uh, her her son uh, is 18 years old, senior in high school, and he lives there with us, and uh, he uh, invited a friend uh, come spend the night last night, and it's uh, the first time he'd been over to our house, and come over to spend the night there at our house, and told me we'll go to church in the morning, well, he's my uh, stepson's dad had texted him last night and asked him to come out to their lake house and have breakfast this morning. And he said, "Well, I can't do that because I, I got to go to church." But said, "I can come out after church if you don't do that." And he said, "Dad," his dad said, "Yeah, that'd be fine." I said, "Just uh, y'all just come out and have lunch then after you get through with church." So anyway, my stepson took his friend Coulter uh, to church this morning, and Coulter got saved this morning. And uh, so uh, I'm uh, I sure am glad. Remember, uh, <clears throat> remember, sometimes you can. You can make good decisions that affect not just you. And I'm glad that my stepson, Jace, his decision to go ahead and be faithful and go to church this morning uh, meant that his friend heard the gospel and got saved. And so uh, praise the Lord for that. We're going to look in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis chapter number 12. Verse number 10. The Bible says, And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down unto Egypt to sojourn, sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, that thou art my sister, and that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen, and, and he asses and men servants and maid servants, and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidst thou, She is my sister, so I might have taken her to me to wife? Now therefore, Behold thy wife, and take her, and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away, and his wife, and all that he had. What we've got before us this evening is probably one of the saddest events in the entire life of Abraham. And uh, so I'm going to preach to you for a little bit tonight on the subject, the truth about the path to Egypt. We see him here making a decision that will bring tremendous trouble into his life, and, and it'll, it would also bring trouble into our lives as well. And our text tells us that it was during a time of famine in Canaan. And Abram, he took his family and, <clears throat> and he moved down to the, to the land of Egypt. Now, in the Bible, Egypt is always presented to us <clears throat> as a picture and a type of the world. And, uh, it was where the children of Israel were held in bondage, uh, to Pharaoh for 400 years there in Egypt. And, uh, even after they were delivered by the power of God, they still longed for what they left behind in, in Egypt. Isn't that just a picture of how you and I are? I mean, God will save us from something and can set us on a pathway to righteousness. And we got some, I mean, God's blessed us so much. And if we're not careful, our flesh will still be longing for those things that we left back there in our Egypt, back there in the world. And we'll be long, our flesh will be longing for those things that we left behind. And so we see this man make his journey into Egypt. And there's some truths about this path that he took to Egypt that I think we ought to notice this evening. And so uh, let's look into the truth about the path to Egypt. Number one, verse number 10 tells us it's always a downward path. You and I, we go back into the world, we go back to that place that God saved us from. You rest assured it's going to be a downward path. I mean, when a believer leaves Canaan or the place of victory and blessing and goes back to Egypt or the world, it's always going to lead us down. And, uh, I mean, first of all, it led him down from the land of promise. Led him down from the land of promise. See, the land of Canaan represented God's best for Abraham. I mean, Canaan, uh, Canaan land was where he was supposed to be. I mean, you know what? There is no place in this world that is more precious for you than the place God wants you to be i remember one time when i was pastoring in colorado we had a pastor's round table that i went i went and attended it was a a very well-known pastor from from tennessee that uh, had a big uh a church that had a bible college there and everything and we he did a pastor's round table where he, he would speak and then he had a, one one morning there was an opportunity for him just to go out and ask questions and stuff and and, uh, we asked some questions, but then that day, one of, one of those times that during the meal, I was, I was able to sit next to him there at the table during the meal. And I, I got to talk with him a little bit. Cause, uh, uh, I don't know if, you, if you've really spent much a lot of time in, in Colorado or not, but Colorado's a different part of the, part of the United States. I mean, it's, uh, uh, they've only had churches in Colorado for about 100 years. They don't have, I mean, North Carolina, where I was at for a while, they've, they've, uh, they've been persecuting preachers for longer than, than, than Colorado's even had, had preachers, you know. And uh, there in Colorado, it's, just a, it's, a rough, it's a rough part of the country, and as far, I mean, I'm, my church people were wonderful, good, godly people. But as far as just the people and, and out in, in, the, in the general public, those uh, it's, just, it's a rough part of the country. And I, I asked that 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 pastor from that college there. I asked him. I said, "You know, I said it kind of bothers me sometimes. I worry a little bit uh, about raising my kids in this environment out here because it's just outside of our church. There's so there's so few places that are godly or have, or have godly examples outside of just the people we know at church." And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you know what? He said, he said, you'd be better off to raise your kids in the midst of the worst place in the world in God's will than you would be in the most, what you might think is the most spiritual place in the world if it's out of God's will. And, and I, I, I took that to heart and I appreciated that uh, the way he put that. You know, but there's no more, uh, no, no better place you and I can be than where God wants us to be. And uh, it led him down from the land of promise. Number two, it led him down from the land of preparation. Now you see, there was a famine in, the, in Canaan. Now, Canaan's where he's supposed to be, but now right at the moment, there's a famine there. <clears throat> and, you know, that famine in Canaan, it was not a punishment for sin. Now, sometimes God has allowed famines because of sin to come to a particular place. But that particular famine, it really wasn't because of sin. It was rather it was a, it was a test of faith. And so Abraham, he leaves God's best and he ran away from God's test. Real faith is always going to have to be tested. You and I are not going to really know about our faith until it's tested. And the great test for you and I when it comes to things like that is to submit to the test and just to trust God instead of running away. Most of you know about the, the story of the, the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17. You know the story. that The widow woman, is she's told to make a, a cake for Elijah, and she has to make a choice. But the problem with making a cake for Elijah was that she only had enough meal or flour and and oil to make a small cake for her and her son. And they were prepared to make that cake and they were going to share that cake together and then they expected to starve to death. They expected to die. Now most of you know the story that by faith she was obedient and she bakes that cake for Elijah. And her obedience and faith is rewarded by God seeing to it that her barrel of meal and her cruse of oil did not run out as long as the famine was going on, as long as it lasted. Now, we know what happened because she obeyed. But now, what do you think would have happened if she had told Elijah, no, I can't do that, I don't have enough flour and I don't have enough oil, so I'm sorry, I'd like to do this for you, but I just can't do it. We don't really know what would have happened because, because the story, as it ended up, she did obey and she did what God wanted her to do and God blessed her. But for all practical purposes, I, I'm, I'm thinking that if she had not done what God told her to do maybe they would have just you know, they, you know she'd still be in heaven because she was a believer but very there's a very good chance if she if she didn't make that that cake for elijah they they could have just made that cake for her and her son they could have shared that cake and then they'd started that and they went on to heaven but you think you know you think about that she sure would have missed the blessing she wouldn't have seen the perfect plan that god prepared for her god prepared for her a refuge from the famine in that prepared place that he had for her. I mean, God, God wasn't going to let her starve as long as, she, as long as she would follow with God's plan. God had it worked out for her. God had a plan for her. And if she'll just do what God told her to do, through the man of God, God was going to take care of her and take care of her son. You know, Abraham was to choose the uncertainty of Canaan over the abundance of Egypt. Number three, it led him down from the land of provision. God had promised to bless Abraham in Canaan. You see, now Canaan was also the place of God's rest for Abram. Only there could he rest in the arms of providence and trust God to take care of him. You know, the best place you and I can be is in the the place where the Lord places us, even if it's difficult. You'll be better off. You'll get more rest in a difficult place if you're where God wants you. Then you can be in some place that you think is going to be a place of rest, but you're out of God's will. You'd be better off just staying where God wants you. Elijah in 1 Kings 17 verse 4 and also in verse 9, Elijah is told what to do in order to, take, to have his needs provided. says <clears throat> in the, 1 Kings 17 verse 4, in it, it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And then in verse 9 it says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath which belongs to Zion, and dwell there. And behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. See, even Elijah, God had a plan for Elijah. God, if, if, if Elijah hadn't followed through and done what God told him, and been in the right places, he would have missed out on the provisions and the plan that God had for his life. Well, it's a downward path. Number two, it's always a dishonest path. It's always a dishonest path. See, because they're going the wrong way, Because of going against what God's plan was for his life, then we see that Abraham birthed a lie. It's a sad day whenever a believer turns away from the truth and begins to embrace a lie. I don't know, this may be the saddest episode of Abraham's life, and certainly it's forever preserved in the Word of God. And I think you and I can learn from his mistake here. We all have those times in our lives when we've maybe birthed a lie in our hearts to try and justify things that we do and, and allow in our lives. But it sure is a sad day when that happens. You see, people many times may not remember all the things that you did right. A lot of people aren't going to notice when you obeyed God and did what you're supposed to do. But you mark her down, the devil will see to it. They'll remember the time you messed up. The devil will see to it that they'll, they'll remember the time you didn't do what God told you to do. Maybe you made up something or made up some lie to justify it. Well, he birthed the lie number two. Abram became the lie. After he told the lie, it's amazing when I, you read that, uh, that passage of Scripture that we just read tonight for our text. As you read down through there, I mean, he begins by making up this lie that, to, tell, to tell Pharaoh and his people that, that Sarah is his, is his sister instead of, instead of his wife. But as you start reading that, you see the more you read it, it's it's as if he started believing his own lie. I mean, by the time he gets through, I mean, he he became the lie. He told the lie. He began to live the lie. And see, that's how it is with you and I. One lie leads to another. Certainly, that's clearly seen in David's lies and actions concerning his adultery with Bathsheba. I mean, he began to... To make small mistakes and just kept getting worse and worse, then eventually tried to justify it. See, your lies will always affect your own life. And then number three, Abraham believed the lie. He came to believe the lie that he had fabricated more than the truth he'd received from God. He gets to the point here. he's convinced himself that the only way he can live is to go is for him to lie and say that this is, this is his sister. I mean, he begins to believe this lie that he's made up himself. I mean, there's no way he could die here. God's already promised him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make of you a great nation. I mean, God's promise has not been fulfilled yet. There's no way. He ought to know if, if he believed God more than he believed his own lie, he would have known that, that he, they're not going to kill me. They can't kill me. God's still got a promise he's made to me. He's not been fulfilled yet. But he gets to the place he believed his lie more than he believed the Word of God. You know, that's always sin's way. Eve sinned because she got to the place where she believed the devil's lies more than she believed God. Peter fell because he believed his own lies more than he believed God's Word. Well, it's always a dishonest path. Number three, it's always a disastrous path. It's disastrous because of the potential. Abram's sin had the potential to cause others to fall. You see, Pharaoh could have taken Sarah to be his wife. Notice when a believer goes to Egypt spiritually, it will always cause others to fall away or to stay away. You know, it's a sad thing today, but a lot of children today, a lot of, a lot of children of Christian parents, a lot of children are going to have to grow up and have to deal with the consequences of secondhand sin. I mean, you say, what do you mean by that? Well, they're going to have to grow up and they're going to be in places and they're going to have to deal with some things or some consequences that have resulted not from their own sins, but they're, they're resulting from those decisions and the sins that their parents have. And later on, those kids are going to be the ones that have to deal with it. Those kids are going to have to suffer because of the decisions that their parents made when they did not follow God's plan for their lives. It also led to disaster because of the punishment. Number two, Abram's sin brought God's hand of judgment into the situation. Wouldn't it be a shame to know that our sin caused a believer to stumble or maybe caused a sinner to make up their mind? I don't want none of that. How many people are in hell Tonight, because some Christian was a sorry example in front of them, they decided if that's what being saved is, I don't want a part of it. How many of those people that are in hell now maybe would be in heaven if those same people had set the right example and lived the life before them and been an example of what a Christian ought to be? Number four, it's also a disappointing path. See, the world in all of its allurements, it can never satisfy the soul that has ever tasted of the goodness of the Lord. How many times have I seen in my my lifetime, have I seen people that they got saved, got in church, God started blessing them? And for some reason or another, they start believing the lies of Satan. And, friend, and somewhere down the road, they, they go back to Egypt. They go back to the world. <clears throat> they start living the, living the way they used to. And I'm telling you, I've never seen one of them yet that down the road eventually didn't come back and say, and that was disappointing. I never have had anybody that got to the end. They never come back to church or anything, but they got to the end of their life and said, well, you know, that that's the best decision I ever made. Just quit serving God and, and walk away from the church. That's, that's the best thing I ever did. And I've never had them, had them say that. I've had a lot of them say that's the worst thing I've ever done. I'll never forget, I had a, a cousin of mine that years ago, this is a long time ago, but a cousin of mine that her and her husband, they were raised in the church that my dad pastored there in Texas. And, man, and, uh, I mean, I, my dad preached the Bible straight and, and hard. And And, man, they they started off on the right track they were got married and and uh, they served god and they were active in the church but down the road somewhere they started getting kind of successful he was a builder he was a contractor was a builder and they began to make a lot of money and eventually they got to where they just they eventually started missing a little bit of church and just laying back a little bit from what they were and it eventually didn't take long they was completely out of church quit serving god completely and this cousin she mentioned one time to her sister they my dad just had initials he didn't have have a name he just had initials wt and they they all the like aunt, all the nephews and nieces they just always called him uncle dub and and uh, the one that was married to the contractor she she told her sister she said you know said all those years said uncle dub preached you know that if that if, if you're not faithful in church and you're not tithing and all that that you're not going to be blessed but she said, "You know, I said we've not found that to be true." I said man, I "Said we got more money now than we've ever had." I said man, "We got this big old house. We got boats. We got everything. We, we've got more than we've ever had right now." And said, "And we we don't even go to church anymore." And said, we, "We don't tithe." I said all that stuff that he said is, is that we're finding out that it's not true for us. Well, that happened for a while, but down the road a few years. Come to find out he wasn't doing everything just right. Hadn't paid the right taxes and all this stuff. Hadn't been reporting stuff like he's supposed to. And he he almost went to the penitentiary. Ended up he lost pretty much everything. They're back in church today, but they don't have all them boats. They don't have that big fancy house. But they got the Lord and they got right with him. They found out that all those fancy things and all those things that looked like they was glittery and looked like they was better than serving God, they found out in the long run it's not better than serving God. It's always a disappointing path, number one, because of the testimony it forfeits. You see, Abram lost his testimony in Egypt. He's even told in our scripture tonight, he's told by Pharaoh, take her and go. He gets to the place where Pharaoh kicks him out. Baby. I mean, he literally, he, he was kicked out of the world by the world. Now, that's pretty bad when you get kicked out of the world by the world. But ain't that, ain't that just like an old drunk? Down at the bar, he's got a lot of friends, and everybody, everybody's his buddy. As long as he's got money, he can buy them drinks. Sooner or later, you can go back to the world if you want to. But sooner or later, the world's going get, to get tired of you, too, and they're going to kick you out, too. And once, once, you, once you come to Christ, you're not going to find a home out there within the world, either. Because of the testimony at Forfeits, number two, because of the things it forgets in Egypt, Abram had no altar. He offered no sacrifices. He lifted up no prayers. He just completely got to the place where he totally left God out of all that he was doing. You know, when in in the world you go back to the world you're going to find yourself living like the world. I have yet to see anybody that Turn their back on the way, on the things of God once they, once they got saved started living for God. I have yet to see anybody turn their back on God and go back to the world that they weren't coming to church, but they still continue to live the Christian life. Everyone I've ever seen, you get, that sooner or later, they end up going back and doing those same old worldly things, those same old sinful things, those ungodly things that they were doing before they got saved. Because of the things it forgets, number three. It's a disappointing path because of the tragedy it fosters. See, instead of bringing the light of the one of, of the one true God into the darkness of Egypt, Abram only brought more darkness. Here he has an opportunity to be a witness of the true and living God. And instead, he goes there and lies. And Pharaoh looks at him, saying, you, you, You're supposed to be representing the true and living God. And you just about brought a curse on me by, man, I, mean, I, I could have. I could have taken Sarah, I could have taken her to be my wife and put me under a curse because you lied to me and said that was your sister. He seemed like he was not the salt and light as he should have been. And that's how it is when you and I walk out of Canaan into Egypt. Whenever you go, when you leave Canaan, you leave God's blessings and you walk back out to the, and back into the things you used to do and things you used to be. You will no longer be the salt and light that you should have been. Matthew chapter five, verse 13 through 16 says, You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Tonight, where's your tent pitch? Are you camping in Canaan tonight? Are you firmly fixed? In the land of blessing, in the land of victory, the land of testimony? Or have you started that pathway back down to Egypt tonight? You see, all it takes to get to Egypt is just a little compromise here, a little compromise there. And before you know it, you can be miles from the Lord. My dad always said, he said, I've never seen anybody... I've never seen anybody just decide, get up one day and decide, you know what, I'm gonna quit going to church. I'm gonna quit doing anything uh, that has to do with God. I'm just tired of it. He said, No, it never starts that way. He said, It'll start it'll start little, be like something small comes up and say, Well, I don't think we'll go tonight on Wednesday night. we got we got, you know, I'm tired I've worked I've worked half a week already and I'm just you know, I got some other things I need to do or want to do, and I don't believe we'll go tonight and then you know, Sunday morning rolls around. I, you know, I, don't, I don't really think we'll get up and go to Sunday school this morning. I, you know, we, I mean, Lord knows we need our rest. And one by one, they just start gradually cutting things out of their life that are, that are part of serving God. He said many times just before they even realize what they've done, they can look back and realize that, man, we've walked a long ways from where we used to be. You'll never prosper as long as you're not where God wants you to be. And my advice for you tonight is, if you have wondered, to come home, rebuild your altars, and live for Jesus like he saved you to do. And I, I have a feeling you're more of the core group here tonight, so I, I have a feeling most of you are still where God wants you to be. Maybe this will just be an encouragement for you, just to remain faithful. Just keep doing what God wants you to do. Unless the Lord changes my mind, I'll, I might preach this message Wednesday night in Tahlequah so you can just consider well maybe the Lord just want y'all to hear it for them people you Can pray for them people at Tahlequah they're, they're a rough bunch down there they need it Amen. but let me just encourage you let me just encourage you just stay by the stuff just keep on doing what you need to do and and, and don't don't let the devil deceive you into thinking there's a better way I know nowadays it seems like you don't get a lot of encouragement to do right in this world except when you come to the house of God or you open your Bible and read your Bible. So many things in the world today don't really promote what's right. So many things in the world today promote what's convenient or what's best for you. I mean, it's, the world's philosophy today is you know, you just, you know, you need to think of yourself. I mean, you, need, you just, you know, you need to do what's, what's best for you, what makes you feel good. You're not going to get a lot of good advice from Egypt, from the world. The kind of advice you need to follow is the advice that comes from this book right here. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll ask the Lord to to help us tonight to just do what he wants us to do with the message tonight. I don't know. Like I said, there might be somebody here tonight that, that maybe the devil has been tempting you. Getting you to forget and forsake some of the things that you used to do or maybe somebody that's close to you, somebody that's maybe part of your family, maybe somebody is not serving God like they need to, and they've they've walked away and started headed back to Egypt. Maybe you'll just pray for them tonight that Lord will just wake them up and help them to see their situation and turn around. Whatever it might be. You can respond. Heavenly Father, thank you for the message you gave us tonight, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to take the lessons from the life of Abraham tonight and help us to realize that, Lord, there's nobody like you. There is no God like you, Lord. There's no provider like you. There's no better place to be than right where you are and right where you want us to be. Lord, help us not be deceived by the devil into walking away from what you have for us and to go back to the way we used to be. Lord, there's no blessing in that. I pray that you'll just have you went away with the invitation, Lord. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's all stand together. If you want to come pray tonight, I want to close tonight without giving you an opportunity to talk to the Lord. You just respond tonight as we sing.
1: Are you on? In the blood, in the soul, cleansing blood of the land, are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Have you been to Jesus for that cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed In the blood of the Lamb. Sing that with me. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul, cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white? As snow, are you washed in the blood of the